Before we start this podcast, the team at the Racing Line Pod would like to thank you for listening and supporting us. So that we can continue to grow as a podcast, we would love it if you could give us a rating and review on your podcast platform. This helps us to grow as a pod moving forward. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome everyone to episode 51 of the Racing Line podcast. Um, I'm joined tonight by Joey and friend of the show, Tristan. I swear you're like one of the, the main members of the podcast now, mate. How are we, boys? Uh, very good, mate. Very well. Good, thank you. Good, thank you. Thanks for having me back on. No, mate, anytime, you're, mate. Anytime. You're part of the furniture now, mate. You and that fan am, that I pops am. up behind you. <laughs> yeah, you and my mister, I was like, um, yeah, I'm going to jump on the podcast tonight. She's like, I swear you do that every week. So. <laughs> uh, thanks for honestly keep having me on. I, I love coming and chatting to you guys. So It's awesome. Well, tonight we're going to discuss the recent Formula One at Formula One race at Monza. Um, if you haven't watched it, as Anthony says every week, jump on KO, watch the mini. But um, once again, boys, Max got up. Came yeah. from, I think it was eighth on the grid. Yeah. What do you think? I'm going to tell I you mean, probably a non hot take for this week. I expected it. It happened. Yeah. I wasn't surprised. And um, I think this championship is done. Like, I mean, I said that last week, but five in a, five in a row is something that's, that's looking ominous for Ferrari, to be honest. He's, Looking dominant, and I haven't seen anyone look this dominant, I think, other than Lewis in 2019, probably since Seb back in the 2013 year. Like, it, it is that car just looks so much quicker than everyone else's. It's ridiculous. I just like at Spa was pretty impressive how he came through the field, but what was annoying about Spa was, you know, by lap 12 or whatever it mm. was, he was in a position where he could win the race. Yeah, and at Monza, I mean, it sort of went a bit longer than that, but um, I mean, you that Ferrari had pace, but yeah, it's like it wasn't a shock to anyone when Max won. So I think you guys oh. got to take your hat off to Red Bull. They built a bloody good car this year, and and they're showcasing what they can do. So, One yeah. thing I probably would have liked to see, I would, I would have liked to see the run, the race run green for the mm-hmm. whole race because I feel like. Um, even though in hindsight you can probably criticize Ferrari's strategy decision, um, like in hindsight, like in the moment, probably the decisions that they made were, you know, they were definitely justifiable. And um, realistically, if if the car had been cleared sooner, they would have had definitely the tires to most probably win that race. So it is. I think it's a bit sad how everything sort of panned out for them. Um, I mean, Checo, not Checo, sorry. Um, Carlos was absolutely dicing through the field, which was awesome to see. Mm. Um, I mean, him and Lewis made it look so much easier than everyone else. Uh, Carlos yeah. looked quicker than even Checo, and there seems to be a massive gap in performance, I think, between Checo and Max at the moment. I, heard, I found something out this week that I found very interesting. So Checo is actually running. Man, these pictures you're bringing up, man, are bringing back so many memories. Look at these cars. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the spa crash. Look at Grosjean going to the moon. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, sorry, now I've lost my... Yeah, so ch- apparently the floor on Checo's car is the old, unupdated floor because they're not develop- They're not giving him the new ones. It's going to add money to their... Um, what is it to the salary cap thing that they're trying to balance? Okay, um, which I, I thought mean, it was makes sense. interesting. Yeah, it makes sense, especially in F one like terminology where you got one guy that's competing for the world championship, and then I guess another that's the supporter role in in Checo, and you know his job's there to I guess set the car up for Max to go and win the world championship. So I kind of understand from a Red Bull point of view to go give him all you know the beans and gravy, but you know, I'm a massive Checo fan, so I want to see him competing for wins. So. Well, now they're so far ahead as well, though. They they can actually probably make that um, decision to stop really, you know, mm. um, developing the car as much because the um, all the time that they can save now is all going to go to next year's R&D and budget. So, mm. 
I mean, it's sort of understandable because they've they've built such an unassailable lead. Um, I mean, as long as Checo's coming back somewhere in the top five, Max winning is going to give them the most points anyway. So they're probably just they're probably not even really worried about it. I mean, it's, it does suck yeah. for Checo because he can't push for wins. Mm. But in the you know in the team sports, probably the wiser decision. What did we think of Mercedes this weekend? Because at Spa, they looked like they were taking a massive step. And I know George came second. Third. Third. But Third. I don't know. That car didn't seem to be as on it as the other two. Mm. I, um, I was actually more impressed with Lewis's, uh, to be honest, than George's. Mm. I, I think realistically, that track is probably not the track to measure cars against each other because it's such a you know um sort of downforce dominant or lack of downforce dominant track mm. and everyone mm. runs their cars so um sort of so lean on aero anyway um i mean realistically realistically for them getting a podium i think is a great result probably wouldn't have happened if the safety card come in like i said but um i mean i still think it's crazy how close they are to ferrari and how they still challenge, they can still challenge for that second spot in the constructors championship. Uh, like they really have no right to be anywhere near there, and it's just through really hard work and just staying out of trouble. I heard that George has got uh, a top five in fourteen out of the fifteen races this year, which is absolutely insane. Um, He's had a really good season, George. Mister Consistency. Um, I mean, that's 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 like championship winning form if you if you didn't have max or um or if you had the car to compete with max and and um charles so i mean for 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 him i suppose that he's really doing his job and he's leading his team's championship which is amazing yeah what did you I, agree. Think? I was probably i was probably a little bit more maybe on the fence of george russell having not being in a you know good car and going up against seven-time world champion and, and Lewis, and and I know we touched on this a few weeks ago, like with the whole um, like why I personally think that George is doing better, um, and same with Lando Norris. You know they don't have too many expectations coming into a you know I guess potentially podium-winning or, or race-winning car. Um, so I think that they've come to grips with this car a little bit more, um, whereas the guys that are used to having that car underneath them um, in, you know, Lewis Hamilton over the last eight years to come to a car that's no longer able to win races. I think it must must be a massive psychological battle to try and overcome. Whereas, you know, George comes from, a, you know, the Williams to what he's in now, it must honestly feel like the car that Lewis drove, you know? Mm. So um, I think that's, to me, is always one thing that stands out, especially with, guys like George Russell. Um, I also think that on the other side of it, this kid's beating a seven-time world champion. So you've got to take your hat off to him, mate. There's, there's no fluke in that. Yeah, 100%. And I think this is why Anthony keeps saying that Lewis is going to retire in the next year and a half because he feels that why would Lewis continue if he knows he's not going to win another championship? So I kind of get that because, like you say, George has come in, thinks this is the best thing since sliced bread. Mm. compared to what he was driving and Lewis knows the difference, I guess. So yeah, yeah. interesting times. 100%. And I think the same's going on at McLaren. I mean, I mm. love Daniel. Everyone loves Daniel, but uh, you know, the same thing goes for Lando. The same thing, you know, he, he had a pretty underperforming car in comparison to what I guess they're in now in, in the last few years. And, and Daniel was in a race, you know, contending car. So um, I think, it's, it's sort of the same things going on at Mercedes that's going on at, at McLaren. Mm. And they've often often been linked to be pretty close into how they manage and run their teams. Obviously, not too long ago, we had that uh, you know McLaren-Mercedes era. And mm. you know, it's no, no surprise that they're so similar in, in terms of how they run and manage their teams. What did you guys think of Daniel's performance this weekend? I was quite happy to see that he was qualifying within a tenth or, or mm. so with Lando. Um Mate, he made his car super wide throughout the race. Like, I think Gasly tweeted today that he could draw the back end of Ricardo's car just off memory after that race. Yeah. Like, he was, it was pretty good, I thought, anyway. 
I think he had to though. Yeah. You know, like uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, skepticism in, and it's probably not the right word, but in terms of Daniel's future in the sport. So I think he needed a really solid outing. And we all know that Daniel's the king of Monza. We saw what he did last mm. year. Um, so I think he definitely needed to showcase that he still deserves to be an F1 because I don't think he's got a seat next year and I think he needs to prove to everyone that he, he should have one. I, I, I found it interesting to think about it. Like his two best results in the last two years, like just in mm. terms of pace, have come at the same track where they um, literally strip all the all the air off the car. Mm. Um, and really the things that we know him for, which is his... Um, you know, really deep, really good under the brakes and really able to brake late are the things that at that track, when you strip off all the error, what sort of keep you in front. And um, it's only been these two races where you can really say, oh, yeah, he's put in a, like a probably a, a great performance um, relative to like what the car is giving him. Um, I mean, I felt sorry for him that he didn't actually get a sort of reward or a prize for the, the weekend it is, but sort of just like that kind of season. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know what? I uh, after my last two week weekends, I think he does. It seems like he doesn't have a seat for next year. And um, I mean, unfortunately, I think that's the way the cookie crumbles. And we'll talk about this a little bit later. But I mean, I think for his sake, I just hope for the rest of the year he can put in a few more performances that um, he'd be proud of, and I think his fans would be proud of. And, you know, if in the future he's linked with a seat in the year after next or something like that, um, I think it will just bode well for him. But even if it's sort of his last chance, because, man, like it's crazy how many people are vying for so few seats at the moment. Um, I just want him to end on a sort of note that, you know, he can be proud of and we can be proud of. Uh, on that, I oh, you go, you go. I was just going to say, I think the only way... Gasly goes to Alpine as if Herder gets his super license. And I know, Joey, you wanted to discuss it later. Yeah. I can't see that happening. The FIA has been pretty adamant they're not going to change the rules. So for me, it would make sense to put Daniel back in that car. But, you know. Well, there's a few, like, points. I guess it's actually probably a really good discussion um, topic between the three of us. You know, like, where first of all, where does Ricardo end up? And I've got this kind of thought that, um, maybe he goes to Haas and does a swap with sort of um, Mick Schumacher, who I believe will go on either a, a German pathway or the Red Bull pathway. Um, I think maybe he ends up at uh, Alpha Tori next year. Um, and Pierre Gasly goes to Alpine. I think, you know, Alpine want two French drivers, and I think that makes sense for them. And then you could probably say that Perez maybe has one one year left in him, maybe two more years before they look for a younger driver. And I'd say maybe Mick Schumacher lands in that seat when Audi come on board, they might end up going to Mick Schumacher pathway. Do you, um, think, do you think Mike Schumacher has done enough to warrant that seat as we speak? No. Yeah, I mean... That, that, that's, that's my only thing with Mick is that I feel like if he loses his seat at this point in time... Well, um, I, I don't, don't know. He's raced against Magnussen, who's an experienced F1 driver. He's been in there since, I want to say 2014, but I might be wrong. You know, and I think, I don't know, it's hard because he has never been in a car that's good enough to compete in the top 10. So. Yeah, but my, th- my feeling with him is, is that if he, if he had shown something extraordinary, mm-hmm. like the people in his corner would be Ferrari to keep him in their stable. Mm-hmm. And for Ferrari to get rid of him from their stable, and and it's more the fact that everyone else seems to have stables that are somewhat overpopulated as we speak. Um, I don't know if he's going to have to take a reserve role somewhere and maybe try and come back like we've seen Hulkenberg do or even Giovinazzi do it for a little bit. Um, Well, it's interesting that you say the Ferrari thing because the more that I think about that Ferrari thing, the more that I think that that seat is pretty much cushioned for Leclerc for quite some time. And you've also got to think there's a young Leclerc coming to, through too. Mm-hmm. I think he got 
second or third in the F3 championship. Um, he's pretty closely linked to Ferrari as well. So you've got to think that Ferrari are probably putting all their eggs into the Leclerc basket and Sainz is just there until maybe Arthur gets there. And so for Mick, he probably doesn't see himself being the face of Ferrari. Um, so I think of it from both sides. I think of it from the way that you see, like obviously maybe Ferrari aren't that impressed. Then I also think maybe Mick's not that impressed with Ferrari. So mm. I don't want him. To, I don't think he's. I don't want him to leave the grid. But mm. I feel like we're seeing sort of things fall into place now that mm. um, I just don't see him close enough to any seat. Like even like this week through another spanner in the works for me. Cause I was like, Oh, like the thought of like Logan Sargent coming to Williams was looking sort of like a possibility. And then I thought, no, he needs, I, th- I still think he needs another year in F2 like mm-hmm. doing. Um, but then they'll say, yeah, oh, these doing rumors are driving me nuts. Yeah, no, that's not happening. hundred no percent. Um, but then like, even now, so Nick DeVries comes in. Yeah. For one race. Drives, what a drives, race. Drives Aston and Martin in practice. He drives Aston Martin in practice, yeah. um, has half an hour session in the Williams <laughs> on a Saturday, um, drops into qualifying and then finishes ninth in the race. And I've been saying for a couple of, uh, probably probably since the podcast started, that I think that he's one of the drivers that F1 uh, sort of had missed. Mm. Um, and I with, a lot of people would agree with you on that too. I, th- I think so. Like I think if you look at how good his F2 championship was, and then even like how um, competitive he was in Formula E and then even how good he's in the um, LMP2 car in World Endurance Championship. He's always looked ridiculously fast. Um, he's, he's kind of in that generation that missed out because mm. at, at that time when he came through, he's 27, he was battling up against Ricardo in his prime. They were like, and Ricardo wasn't old at that point. You know, Hamilton was still good. You had Vettel's. Like all these big name drivers were in all the good teams. That's right. And then, and then we've skipped that kind of generation and gone to the Norris's, Russells, Leclercs. Mm. Yeah, and they came in really you young, think, so it's kind of been awkward for him. Do you think after this performance, right? And yeah, it's only one race, but do you think sort of the the eyebrow of, of Mercedes could have been pricked up a little bit and they've thought, you know what, we, we might be up, we might put a bit of cash behind him, you know, um, keep him on our, uh, and see if a team like Williams or um, even if Aston Martin wanted to carry him next year for a year, we'll fund him because Lewis's end is closer to the beginning now and it's, um, sort of just give him a year to see what happens because, I think this weekend I probably didn't. It didn't surprise me. I didn't think he could do it, but I was surprised in terms of he made he made Latifi look so second rate this weekend, and he's driven that car for probably maximum two hours. And Latifi's been with that team for three years. Like that's think, crazy. Uh, like Latifi still in the sport still baffles me. I'm surprised that he's even made out the end of the season. Yeah. Um, I think they're only doing that for a gentleman thing. As yeah. in Williams keeping him in because he's contracted to be there. They're not going to be like um, Red Bull mixing and matching well, drivers halfway through the season. He's not I think everything definitely did enough on the weekend to prove to, you know, not only Williams but also just the motorsport fraternity that he deserves to be at least on the grid. I'm not saying he deserves to be in a race winning car, but mm. he deserves to be given a shot. And actually, it was really cool that he got the call up. I personally don't think Albon's all that, but that's just me. Um, so if it were me at Williams, I'd be looking for two new drivers, and I wouldn't I think, see why. I think he, he I think I think Albon is um, good enough, but I think mm. if they were in the team together, there would definitely be a different dynamic of mm. sort of dog eats dog and a bit more to prove. And I think at this point in time, that's what Williams needs to sort of push up and have two drivers vying for points because Mercedes. Keeps- oh, sorry, Williams have always had a driver though over the history of I guess the last at least the last. 15 years I'd say of Williams where they favor one driver I mean you look at when Bruno Senna was paired up against uh, Maldonado, Maldonado yeah and Maldonado won a race in that Williams I believe of memory he did and it's like Bruno Senna was consistently better yeah exactly <laughs> but they sort of threw their eggs into you know Maldonado's basket and that's what happened I guess with George Russell I know he had you know 
pretty terrible teammate. But well, I think the, um, I think the difference now is that Williams have got the money behind them that they don't mm. need to favor their paid driver anymore. That's true. That's um, actually probably a good point. So to have mm. Red Bull paying the the, con, the sort of the salary of Albon, and then to have Mercedes paying the salary of hypothetically De Vries would free up a bit of cash for them. Number one. Yeah, that's true. Um, and also give them two drivers who you know at least are going to push each other to perform and then also hopefully push the team higher up the grid. Because I feel like now, like after these last three or four races, you could definitely say that that car is in a stronger position than the Haas 100%. and the Sauber. Um, mm. And you could say that with two proficient drivers, and I, I don't want to say, sort of sound like an asshole, but I feel like with any, you know, somewhat competent F1 driver, they could uh, that Latifi seat should be pushing for, you know, closer than what it like. He's he's coming nearly last every race now of all the cars that finish. Like mm. it's so he's coming twenty first in the championship now, which is how funny. funny. How funny is that? But he's so good. He's twenty first. Yeah, because the Drake. Yeah, what's the the name? The has got points. Every beat him. Oh my god, no way! That's actually <laughs> hilarious. Uh, I saw a thing. Um, twenty first in twenty races. It, yeah, I think it took 43 races for George Russell to get a point with Williams, and it took yeah. Nick Defries one. <laughs> I just love that. I was like, that's a cool start. If I'm Nick Defries, I'm putting that up on my wall, you know? The um, the thing I'd like to see with Williams, though, they've been quick at Spa. They've been quick at Monza. I'd like to see how they go at Singapore in a couple of weeks' time, where yeah. it's a completely different track. We'll see. Because it's a very, very slippery track, like a very slippery car. But Their top speed is keeping them in at the moment, I feel like. I want to see them in a low, like a high downforce track. I don't think mm. they'll perform well there, to be honest. How did they go at Monaco? I can't even remember. Pretty shit. Did they? But Monaco's like, if you qualify shit, <laughs> you finish shit. Like, there's no strategy yeah. involved there. Yeah, pretty much. But, but yeah, mate, that, that was a super performance by Nick. Um, yeah, I agree. What did we think of the Alpine and McLaren battle? Because... Alpine have looked better than McLaren for the last mm. probably three or four races, and then all of a sudden we come to Monza. McLaren's had shitty top speed all year, then all of a sudden they're they're strong at Monza. I don't, I just don't. It's, it's so bizarre it. that that's the track that they pull mm. everything out for. It's just so bizarre because it just does not seem like a track that would favour McLaren with a top speed. And you know, I think they've got a statistic like sixty-eight percent of the track is full throttle or something. Yeah, it's literally that, like almost an identical track of Spa except for the hill. You know what I mean? Do you think that their, their, their problem is that their aero is really unbalanced? So that when they get mm. rid of it all, their car seems to work relatively <laughs> good compared to everyone else. It like makes it's sense. Just like our, our aero was designed so badly. If we just trim it all out, we're actually a competitive mm. car. It could, it could that's be the, that. That's the, only, that's the only logical answer for it that I think about yeah. it. Which doesn't I mean, bode well for Singapore. Let's be no, honest. it doesn't. But all like... Right. It makes a lot of sense. But in the last two years, this is a question I got asked the other day. Out of Alpine and McLaren, who's the team that have progressed the most? Alpine, for Alpine. sure. Exactly. And I get Alpine a lot. And then it's like, if you're Daniel Ricciardo, why do you leave? Because at the time, he was going... So often. Do you know what I mean? At the time, he was going... COVID. But also, yeah. at, the time, at the time, Renault looked a little bit of a joke. Mm. And McLaren was saying all the right things, and McLaren has got the he racing heritage. But um, I mean, since he's left, McLaren have sort of become a bit of a joke. They're like the mm. the new Ferrari. Well, last year they weren't. It's just no, they they weren't. Really. But like, but like, the end of last year was a little bit. How are you going? And we thought, oh, they're just saving you know their resources for next year. Yeah. But then yeah. next year's rolled on, and like that's where the problem is. If if you if you sort of self self sabotage yourselves to prepare for next year, you better have a good car next year. Whereas sort of Alpine did the opposite, and they and they still seem to now look in a better stead for when next year starts. Like because all this R and D they're doing this year carries on to next year's car, which is different to how last year was. You know what I mean? So this foundation is going to carry on for years to come. So anything you do now obviously he's going to help me in the start of the next season. And that's where I feel like the biggest difference between McLaren and Alpine is, is that Alpine mm. sort of have a bit of direction and they're sort of honing in on their, on their strengths and weaknesses. Whereas every week the McLaren drivers either seem like they're 
surprised that the car was performing well or surprised that the car was performing badly. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do actually. Like that that's the oddity of it. It's like they go, oh, I don't know where that pace came from. Or, oh, I just thought we'd be better this weekend. Mm. There's no like, oh, we expected to be bad here. We expected to struggle in this aspect. There's no certainty. I watched, um, you guys probably remember watching it, the documentary Center on the weekend. Yeah, yeah so good. And I, th- I think their problem is that their car is not white and red. <laughs> Agreed. I honestly think that if they paint that car back to their heritage colors, they will start winning races again. You, you, know, could, when... you could you could say the problem is that the car is not silver and black as well because they had a lot of yeah, excessive yeah, west as well. So. The Vodafone. Yeah. yeah, the Vodafone car as well. So, yeah. <laughs> I just think I think just the problem is that it's orange. That's all I think it is. Yeah, yeah, that's you know? it. it. Doesn't cut through the air as quick, you know. <laughs> Speaking of liveries, what did we think of Ferrari? That rear wing this week looked epic. I didn't like the fin, but the wing looked awesome. Well, they did this it. yellow. Someone did like this yellow mock-up of the car being like full banana yellow, yellow and I loved it. I was like, I'm all about that. Like, let's do it. And then they showed what the actual livery looked like, and I was disappointed. Yeah. I don't think they can go full banana yellow because I still think they're getting money from um, from um, Shell. Uh, not Shell. Um, what's it? Someone Morris, the cigarettes brand. Um, yeah, the they are. Uh, Mission. Yeah, yeah, Mission. We know. Yeah, so the Mission yeah. we know, but I think it's the the parent company is something Morris, and I think they're still getting money from. Them, so they have they have to be red, right? Which is insane. But um, I thought that the 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 race suits looked awesome. The helmets looked awesome. Yeah, the cars looked pretty good. I wish they had a win in that livery. Um, Charles looked, had a chance, honestly. Charles drove real well. He I, did. I actually felt a bit bad for him. I feel like he, I don't know if he had a chance to win it. I don't know if he would have quite had the pace, but it would have been cool to see. What do you think about the safety car? That's the one thing that everyone seems to be, you know, I'm happy he's been followed this time. If only they had think, Michael Massey yeah, this, well, this race weekend. As per the rules, but. Um, I would have loved to have, you know, seen what Leclerc would have thrown at Verstappen under racing mm. conditions. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm old school. I hate to see races ended that way. I hate to see them ended, you know, like that. And mm. I would have preferred to have seen Leclerc had every everything and thrown everything in the kitchen sink at Verstappen to try and win that race, especially at Monza. I swear yeah, McLaren 100%. hit the self-destruct button. Yeah, I think so too. Bloody hell. Ricardo's having a good weekend. Let's let's hit that button and <laughs> oil leak. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that's just like what they're doing to him. It's just how else can we ruin his weekend, you know? How can, Strategy uh, calls are horrible. Pit stops are he's, horrible. He's going to wake up in the night time in like 20 years and just have nightmares of McLaren. <laughs> like, Didn't I know, say so. last week, Harry, that, how, that McLaren was like, Ferrari, but no one was saying nothing. And then, yeah. like this week, yeah. Lando has that horrid pit stop as well, where he loses yeah. three spots or something. That's right, he did too. It's just like, and and then they're like, "Oh, Daniel, hold up, Gasly, so we can overcut yeah. with Lando." I'm like, yeah. "If I'm Daniel, I'm going. Oh, no way! Yeah, I'm doing <laughs> what I want to do. Where about my race? <laughs> uh, so frustrating to watch. Uh, All right, so oh, no, I think moving to happier news. Mm-hmm. Two-time champion Will Power. How does that sound? Did anyone else that watch that cool. race? Come on, I boys! I didn't. But I watched the highlights. That was so cool. That was a that was a that was a tense and and, and really gnarly race, to be honest. Yeah. Are you on board the IndyCar train, Tristan? I'm <laughs> I'm slowly getting into it. Like the more I talk to you, boys, the more I feel peer pressure to watch it. Um, but I I watched all the highlights, and obviously, um, I mean. Pretty successful weekend for all us, you know, uh, mm. Anzacs over there. I mean, I think Hunter McElroy won a championship. Rookie of the year. Oh, he got rookie of the year, year which, is a, um, which is an awesome result Scott for him. Scott McLaughlin re-signed on uh, for yeah. three more years, I think. Yeah, He's winning it next year. I'm putting money on it. I honestly... I Pity bucks. Right. I yeah. think he might be right. Let's, let's all put 50 bucks on it. And then if we all put 50 bucks, we should be able to buy a new studio, a, a podcast studio. <laughs> if, um, <laughs> If he wins with those odds, yeah. um, honestly, like it was, it was a great race. And someone said, I don't think that this track is good for the season finale because it's got so much um, consequences. And I was like, that's exactly what you want for for a season finale. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I don't, I don't think Will Power is playing. Nah, no way. Um, 
I don't I don't know if you saw it, but uh, New Garden started twenty fifth, and um, he was on a mission, man. And every time he'd be coming up the hill towards the corkscrew, I think lap after lap after lap, he just kept dive bombing into the corkscrew. That's every much time. what the highlights were. If you go watch yeah, the highlights, was, it's pretty much just like him passing. <laughs> I, I think it was. I don't really know too many of the IndyCar drivers. It was just this guy just dive bombing everyone yeah. every he lap. It was, that was pretty every, cool. Every lap, he was doing a dive bomb down yeah. um, into the corkscrew. And I was like, man, that's ballsy because mm-hmm. coming in tight at the corkscrew, it's such a such an elevation change. It's really hard for you to you sort of keep your traction and stay planted. Um, but that sort of shows like what he was willing to risk mm-hmm. to get to the front and then pull over. Really, did you guys? Oh, it was actually a really awesome weekend for just motorsport in general. Like the supercars was unbelievable. That was some of the coolest racing I've seen. And it sh- you know, we'll get. I'm sure we'll touch on the Pukekohe stuff later, but. <laughs> Um, the 12 hour? Did you guys watch the 12 hour? Some of the Nurburgring stuff? I didn't watch Jack, any. Jack Sevens won in the 12 hour. Oh, did he? The, yeah, he won with. Um, with Porsche? Zven, Zven Muller and that. You yeah, know, I, I, I was too busy this week and there was too much other stuff on. I, know. I didn't. Yeah. I, I knew it was on at Nurburgring. I just did not look at yeah. it at all. Um, I, heard, I heard this week that he might. He has a test drive lined up with Brad Jones Racing. Jackson mo- does. Yeah, Jackson does to maybe do the Bathurst 1000. I thought that's an awesome um, – that would be mm. awesome to have someone like him come back to Australia after sort of leaving so, in. Um, so, it would be a shame one? to see him leave yeah, factory this port, one. though, because that's just such a no, cool – I think, I think it's just a one-off just for the Bathurst 1000. Uh-huh. Yeah. For, for this one, not for this one. Yeah, I think for this one. Isn't it like two weeks away? Yeah. No, nah, it's it's a month away. Really? Still though, I thought they'd already announced their their lineups. Yeah. Well, actually, did you guys see what happened um, at Pukekohe with um, <laughs> Will Brown and Mark Winterbottom? I want to touch on that. I thought that yeah. was um. Well, consequences. before we do that, car um, they don't fucked. have a spare. Yeah, <laughs> so they don't, they don't have a spare. Yeah, and so there's rumors now that. Um, Greg Murphy and Richie Sanaway might not even be on the grid. And if well, they are, they won't be with Erebus. Yeah, well, I heard that um, Adderton is is willing to buy a car Yeah, just yeah. to get them on the grid. And I don't but know if, so he, if he was to buy a car, um, if Erebus would then run it, I still think they would probably do that. Um, mm-hmm. You know what, though? Realistically, there probably would be a few cheap cars ready to be sold because... I'd a say Triple Eight have a few that they want to get rid of. Yeah, because uh, at the end of the year, they're either going into Super 2s or they're going into museums. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I want to touch on that. Or, or Zach Brown going to buy them. And... Yeah, or a few of those rich, you, um, uh, rich uh, British men who seem to take him out <laughs> at um, Goodwood and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think before we move to supercars quickly, I had a few things I wanted to touch on. Um, I suppose we sort of touched on it with the super license business. I just mm-hmm. wanted to know what you guys thought about the whole idea that if you're an IndyCar driver and you've been racing against guys who have come from F1 and you've been beating them or mixing it with them and you've been doing it for, say, four years, mm. does the super uh, is a super license even relevant to you anymore? Are you because talking about Scott McLaughlin? I'm just talking about anyone in general, right? So, you, so I suppose it's mainly for Herder. Yeah, because mm. he's mm. the one who's who it's about. Mm. But like to say, I feel like to say, um, if you look at the the how the points for the super license are even dispersed, I think IndyCar's points are the same as F three, not even F two, right? It's it's the FIA though. It's it's literally it's the same thing they do with supercars. But yeah. They want people to go through the F3, the F2 pathway, which generates them more more and more money. And so what, what they do is they make the points for um, like other series like IndyCars or GT3 or um, even I think LM, what, the um, is it the LMP cars or whatever they are. At, yeah, so the, 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 the endurance are lower. cars. So it's and like the, even the Super Formula. Yeah, if you go and win the World Endurance Championship, it's... It's rated lower as I think winning the F two championship. Well, well, this and week Callum Eilat, Callum Eilat is racing in IndyCar this year, and he was racing in F two last year, and he pretty much said, um, like he he nearly won the championship last year in F two, 
And he said that there is no um, comparison with how um, close the the IndyCar Championship is is, and how much harder it is compared to the um, F2. And he said it's down to things like you're racing on road courses, street courses, and you're racing on ovals. He said you're racing against actual men. You're not racing racing against against people. The best drivers in the world, past and present. Yeah, he said, you're not racing against people who are learning their craft. You're racing against people who have been doing this for 20 mm-hmm. years. You know, you're racing against, like, think about, like, even last year, um, Paolo went to IndyCar and he's racing against Scott Dixon, who's been doing it for 20 years. He's racing against Will Power, who's been doing it for 20 mm-hmm. years. We're racing against Alex Rossi, F1 driver, Indy 500 champion. And then to win that championship, you're telling me that that's equivalent of winning an F2 championship? It's no. not even close. F2 is a feat, is a feeder series for developing drivers. But you're not even a world a... champion if you win F2. Aren't you? No. They don't, they don't do with the MotoGP. So if you win, yeah, if you win yeah. F3, if you win F2, you're not a world champion. Yeah. And okay, I think that's just ridiculous because it's a world series. Yeah. So yeah. IndyCars, which I guess is predominantly raced all around America. Well, it's not a world series. No. But it's like, in my opinion you would have more to win in an Indy car than you would in an F2. That's just my opinion. Yeah, you can with the Indy 500. It's, it's probably the hardest race, uh, open wheel mm. race to win in the world. And mm. then, and then you, you ask the question, have we ever seen an F1 or F2 championship come down to the last weekend where five yeah, people rarely. win the championship? 2021. <laughs> five people? Five people. Oh, no, not five people. No, no like I, I feel like this week felt like... Um, like the intensity was that race where Rosberg beat Hamilton in the championship. Like it felt mm-hmm. like that this week. But like realistically, F one or um, F two is, is is finished is is set before the season finishes. I think yeah. I think we if they make changes now for Herder, they're asking for a world of pain. I think what they need to do moving forward is change how the super license points are allocated. Um, so I don't think they should let Herder in at this stage. He came tenth in the championship. Realistically, yeah, but he's, he's been he's been so good from when he started, man. Yeah, but you're looking at the only Scott reason McLaughlin's was... been in the sport for two years. He came fourth or fifth or whatever. Like, Third, a fourth, fourth. Right? Yeah. So if we're if we're going on that, then Scott McLaughlin should. Yeah, have but Scott McLaughlin's too. in the Scott McLaughlin's in the best in the best team. And he's walked into the best team. And yeah, you have to perform. Yeah. But and his, and, his teammates never, are amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm not taking anything against Scott McLaughlin. I'm just saying if you've got a 21-year-old who's come in, won races every year he's been there for three years. And he was, he was a championship contender last year and the year before. Mm. Um, yeah. And you're trying to grow your sport in, in America. Like he's the best young American talent that you could probably, you could probably pick up at the moment. I think that's the thing, though. If he wasn't American, there wouldn't be this talk. No, I think there would be this talk. There's been talk for a few years for him. This is oh, just Andretti's been, been Andretti's been talking year. about buying an F1 team, so potentially <laughs> they buy Haas and they put him in it. But I just I don't see it happening with this super licensing. It's the same thing that happens in supercars. It's hmm. it's literally just designed to encourage people to go through the feeder series of you know in in F1 we're talking F3 F2. And you go through that open wheeler program of, you know, you race on the European circuit and you make it in F1. Um, I think what IndyCar are doing at the moment are flipping the script a bit and they're starting to gain probably more global traction in mm-hmm. terms of popularity than I would even say what F1 is. And I think that's why you're seeing such a big push with F1 to start doing things like Drive to Survive and all these, you know, documentaries and Netflix series that, start to engage people in the sport because I think a lot of their population is starting to swap over to IndyCars. I would it's hope so. Awesome racing. I'm just, yeah. I'm just not one of them yet, but I will be. <laughs> <laughs> I'll jump I, on a bandwagon one day. They've got to come back to the Gold Coast. Uh, yes. Yes. Let's make that happen. How do we make that happen? Let's get we Will on the pod. F- we need to find someone who's got um, stupid money. So, Roger Penske, if you are listening to this, yeah. <laughs> you know the thing. Roger Penske never spends money, uh, never no. never wastes money, mate. He always he's always investing in things that don't waste money and flying the cars, 
halfway across the world is definitely not making a lot of money except for maybe some exposure. Especially not um, at Gold Coast where we can only get maybe 160,000 people to a yeah, racetrack you know, for a weekend. Where maybe, you take him, the, maybe take him to Tail and Bend. That's a track that IndyCar would thrive at. Oh, man. That's that'd be so, so fucking far away. I can't stand that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it looks like such a cool track if you were to go there, but to watch it on TV, it's just boring. It's just follow it the is, leader. It is. But it's, it, I think it's also boring because there's nothing there yet. It's just an yeah, empty paddock. Yeah. There's of the not even a tree. You're like looking some, in the background for a tree. There's like not even that. <laughs> fences, put some hills up, yeah. make some hills, you know. Exactly. Um, I think to end on IndyCar. Put a ferret wheel in the background. It always looks good in with the lights. Um, yeah, I think we'll end IndyCar there and, and finish on supercars. Uh, and the the event that was Pukekohe because it's the last one. Mm. What do you think, Tristan? Oh, I was a bit... Um, almost emotional to be honest. I had actually mixed emotions. The the racing was next level. It was unbelievable. Um, have you been there before? I have. Yeah, I, w- I went a few times with Dad, but I was pretty young. I don't really remember it. Yeah. But I do remember just about watching it every year on TV and always just you know looking up to some of the Kiwi gods that have driven around that racetrack. And I said it. I think on Sunday, you know, just the amount of talent that has race around that racing circuit um obviously greg murphy probably being the forefront of my mind um and just some of the memories around that racetrack from over the years uh, something came up on my instagram the other day of um i think it was glenn seaton got taken out by maybe russell ingle and dad was caught up in it and i was like that's oh, really? just so cool you know <laughs> that's um awesome. and it's just like that's just the heritage and the history of the place and it's just got so much of it um, and just the emotion of all the drivers was, yeah, pretty um, daunting, I guess, because it was just like, we're never going to see a race here again. And that was pretty what, sad. What was the thing? Are they they're shutting it down for development, aren't they? Uh, in inverted brackets, they're shutting it down to expand the racing um, track uh, grandstands. And then in, you know, <laughs> they're shutting it down for housing. I think really I think, that the, I think the horse racing track that's there isn't really booming anymore, um, which is probably the, yeah. the bigger moneymaker. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have mixed feelings about Pukekohe because I know the history and I know the mistake and the legend of it. Um, and then on the other side, I know that there are two circuits I would consider in New Zealand to be a lot better than Pukekohe just yeah. in terms of layer like um what is it hampton downs and highlands are two yeah. awesome tracks and i think they're going to take the new zealand round to hampton downs which I'd is say also, that's where they go well that's owned by tony quinn who also yeah. owns the majority of triple eight now yeah so yeah. it makes sense but he owns both the tracks and one's on the north think, island one's one's on the south I think island. one of the things that you'll find is that and you know it'd be like getting rid of spa it'd be like getting rid of nurburgring you know, I know we've got those tracks in New Zealand, the Hamptons down, and uh, you know, I know you just said it, but I just Highlands, Highlands, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you got these tracks that are there that are awesome to have these, you know, world class facilities, but you've got the heritage at Pukekohe, and all the locals know that when the supercars come, they come to Pukekohe. Mm. Um, the- and I, I, I know the racing on the weekend, like it was unreal yeah it was it was probably the best racing we've seen nearly all year i think and yeah um, it'd be pretty close to it like in terms of even the spread of the podiums and and who Mm. who looked competitive um like you know there was all all your front runners were there and and mixed up in all the races Mm. um yeah they all got a podium didn't they will i think they all got svg chas cam um, I don't know if uh, De Pasquale did. No, he didn't because he got... Davo got one on the Saturday. Yeah. And then he had a shocker on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Double transit um, through pit lane. Yeah. Actually, triple, triple transit. Triple you transit. Gotta, you got to yeah. love that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like in terms of... Well, a couple of years ago, they did that Auckland street race and that that and that failed miserably and that's why they went back to Pukekohe. Um, so I feel like convincing the locals to um, make the trek is going to be the biggest um, 
challenge for supercars now. I mean, it's never nice to see a track that's so steeped in mystique closed. Mm. And I feel like it'd be the same thing, even if like Sandown was to be closed. Um, Cause they're sort of like, they're, they're very, they're a very similar complex. And they, um, I think Sandown of, will head down that track one day. And that is, I think, so, I, I think so too. Like, um, I think the writing's on the wall for Sandown really. But, I, you know, they signed on for another year next year. So hopefully I think the, the people in Victoria just need to go. Just yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Sell that place out and and get the people, you know, that want to sell that complex to realise just how big, you but know, you the know, motorsport. You know, as well, Tristan, I feel like ever since they've taken the Sandown 500 from Sandown, they haven't mm-hmm. given the fans a good enough reason to go back, like in terms of what, a... What's like the a, point? <laughs> yeah, but like if you look you at know, like, like Sydney Motorsport Park or even Perth, both those tracks are struggling a bit. They give them super nights. Why can't you give a super night to Sandown in Melbourne? Give the Melbourne fans a super night. Like, That's the, the best one of the best races of the year. Thing at Sandown is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. And the it's reason shit. why I say this is because all the co-drivers were there. They had to compulsory. They had to have a compulsory session on the yeah. Friday for the co-drivers. So yeah. all the co-drivers were there. Why not do a three-race series where you know, you've got the sprint series, uh, sorry, the sprint series and then the endurance championship. Why not? Like you got one race at Bathurst, half these guys have done half an hour in a car if they're lucky in a supercar. Yeah. That's if they're lucky. Yeah. The ones that are um, wild cards are rocking up to Bathurst, literally never driving a main game supercar. Dude, look at yeah, massively Greg, undercooked. Greg Murphy hasn't driven a supercar in, like in anger in nearly three, a decade. Um, that's, same as that's surely insane. that's not safe, right? Oh, but that's what I mean. Like, you're going to put these guys on the grid, and I mean, I'm all for more cars on the grid, but mm. like, it's got to be in retrospect. Like, these cars can't jump into a supercar for the first time in some it's... cases ever and expect to go around a place like Bathurst, which is one of the most intimidating racetracks on the planet, and expect to go well or expect it's... to be safe or keep it off the walls. But it's not um, even, it's, it's even simpler than that, Tristan, if you think about it. Like, you think about the layout of Sandown. It's not mm. that difficult. Like no. it's, it's, a, it's a box with a few little indents, yeah. right? Mm. So that track lends, it, that's what it really is. Mm. But like that track lends itself to an endurance race where strategy, tire wear, you know, 100%. a bit of weather comes into play. But I feel like they, they sort of look at the tracks. They, they want to put a, they, obviously the um, Gold Coast is an endurance, which is awesome. Um, is that this year though? Yeah, it's this year. So they've got the Gold Coast so the after drivers this year. Yeah, so the co-drivers are there. I didn't but even to, know that. That's but awesome. to but to slap to slap the um like just a, a sprint race at Sandown is sort of like, oh, we, we want to have the track there. The fans like the track, but we're not going to think about what is sort of in the best interest of the track. Like I reckon Barbagallo, Sandown, Bathurst and Gold Coast would make for a really good endurance championship. But even if they had Barbagallo, um uh SMP, uh, Sydney Motorsport Park and Sandown as like su- a, a small Super Night Championship, mm. you know, a, a Super Night Cup, have one in a- each state. Because um, mm. how many races is there in Queensland as well? There's, there's Gold Coast. Gold Coast, Townville, QR. Is that back on the thing? I can't remember. Yeah, QR. QR was it. We, we raced at QR this year. Oh, already. yeah, that's right. They did already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you could do a Super Night at QR. I don't know how far that is from suburbia, I suppose. But um, to sort of think about like just giving each state like one event that is that so, sort of super night big bash cricket kind of feeling. So they work every time. Yeah, um, I reckon, oh, man, that'd be so hard to say Gold Coast or Townsville, but Gold Coast is such a sick track. So Gold Coast, Newcastle, I reckon could be pretty cool for us, an endurance race. That They're not doing that again, though, I don't think. Next year, it's, it's the first race of next year. Is it? Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. it's the season. Adelaide? Oh, my God. Imagine Adelaide as an endurance race. Could you imagine? Yeah, 100%. Oh, that would be cool. It's just I think the carnage is what scares them. Yeah, I love that, though. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's just everyone get spare chassis for that weekend. Then <laughs> talking, about, talking about chassis, um, Will Brown versus um, mm. Mark Winterbottom. I mean, at first it didn't look, it didn't look too bad. But then the consequences of a somewhat silly action 
have, mm. have got far-reaching sort of ramifications. And then even um, I feel like the the even the supercars, um, what's the word? Judiciary. Not the judiciary, but like after after the fact, they they had an extended sort of video of the two guys having an argument in the pit lane. Um, and I thought this doesn't look brave. Number one, because they're probably going to be dropping a few f bombs, and you know, and they, they didn't did. actually. They did definitely they? did. Oh yeah, I, I couldn't hear one. I was listening really hard. Couldn't hear as well. they were talking over it, but, yeah, but um, um, they did another one later where they weren't talking as much, and they were yeah. definitely throwing them out. Yeah. So, but like for um, us, I don't oh, think we need yeah. to see that. Oh, I did. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've got to really be careful with my words. Um, no, just say it, mate. You don't have to. No one listens <laughs> to this yet. I, if I'm going to just say it, I think Mark Winterbottom should go on a holiday. Oh, I, um, I, 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 I actually one of the I, most I, disgusting things I've seen in motorsport for quite some time. I actually agree with you on that, to be honest, and I don't say that lightly because he's a sort of an elder statesman of the sport. But in like retrospect, you think about it, his his time at Team Eighteen has not been what it was cracked up to be at all. Um, realistically, I think. And he's just got an extension, so I was a bit surprised, to be honest. Yeah, me too, honestly. But, um, I mean, like, Scott Pye seems to be better than him at most events that he doesn't get screwed himself. And then the excuse of sort of a bit of a bump and run because of what happened down at the hairpin before, I thought was so weak because in, in the in the replay, it's sort of a bit of rubbing his racing. And then the only thing I feel that justifies the situation that I don't think he thought that the consequence is going to be that dire, but man, I don't like, think anyone would going into yeah. a corner like that. And that's quite evident that he came off the curb, but yeah. but realistically, the still, way he said it in the first interview was that too matter of fact, he doesn't know what happened. He doesn't know who he hit. And he actually wasn't sure if he ever made contact with someone. And he hadn't he said seen the vision. He said, I'm, he said, I might have locked wheels with someone. I'm not sure who it was. Mm. And then this, we see the vision and like he, he even comes out and says after the fact that I got hit into this corner, I got hit into this corner and I got hit into this corner. And then, mm. so I hit him off, mm. you know, like, dude, like, you're so racing in a scrum. he just said to us that he didn't know who hit him, that he wasn't sure if he made contact and that he wasn't sure if he even collected wheels. And he wasn't even sure who the driver is. And then in the mm. next time he talks to us, he's saying that, like, he, oh, he knows well, exactly that's what happened. Payback for what happened in the other three corners. And it's like, to me, that's clear intent that he's taking him out deliberately. Mm. I'm not saying that he purposely put him in the fence and and caused that crash. I don't think any driver would intentionally do that, um, especially on that corner. That's so fast. Mm. But um, there was one thing that. I mean, I, it copped a lot of slack was the Barry Ryan shoving Mark out of the way. And I I think, like, he might be in a bit of trouble for that. Uh, probably rightfully so. But I, I think if you could, you know, think from their point of view where they're this close to Bathurst, have got to either rebuild a, you know, build a brand new car. They haven't um, got time to fix that car, that's for sure. Will Brown, Will Brown almost went to hospital. That was a fixed... 56G crash. So mm. I spoke to Will since, and he said that that was the single biggest crash of his entire career, mm. and that he's lucky to be here. So, you know, a crash of that magnitude definitely sparks some flames. And uh, I can see why the guys at Erebus are so fired up over that, and they did not want, despite what Will said, that he wants him to come come in and say sorry. That they didn't even want him there. They couldn't stand the mm. side of him, and and that him being there was making things worse. So, well, Barry Ryan called for for them to cancel his license, essentially. So I agree. I think they should after that. Mm. Maybe not think, cancel it for good. I, but I, I, I feel he should serve a suspension. Yeah, not not cancel it, but suspend him definitely. I mean, I feel like the whole Barry Ryan said that he had he called up the team eighteen management and said we don't want him walking down here. It's not going to do any good. So then for him to walk down there after he probably heard that message, um, mm. I mean, the whole the, the, shove, the shove thing I don't even care about as well. I don't think if it's that heated, we should see it at all. I feel, I'm happy to hear the driver's view on it 
we hear one, we hear the other. You know, we're fans. We don't need to see everything, especially film it. And if it's fine, show us the vision afterwards. I'm fine with that. But sort of in the heat of the moment, I, I don't think it adds anything to the to the mm. um, race that was going on, number one, or the race that had just finished, number one. I don't think it really added to the sort of farewelling of the event, um, which is what we were doing. Um and yeah, yeah it, it made it made Barry Ryan look like a bit of a jackass, but I could understand. It did, and it, and, exactly and I don't, I don't think that in Brown. this case, yeah, I don't think that in this case they should be seen as the clowns. I think, in honestly, yeah. in honest, in my honest opinion, and I know I said I'd, I'd be careful with my words, but in on, my honest opinion, Mark Winterbottom was a hundred percent to blame for that incident, and he should be the one that should be made to look bad. In, on front of the camera, not the other way around. And I know that, like I said, shoving and, and physical contact in this sport is not acceptable. But I, I mean, if that were me, you know, I'd be, I'd be finding it pretty hard not to get pretty angry about something like that. Mm. I'm certainly not a violent person. I'm not saying that I'd go and, and punch someone or push them out of the way, but it'd be very hard for me not to say something that I might later on regret, especially if there's a camera in my face. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Mm. Do you have any final words on that whole incident, H? I, I, well, yeah, you go, H. I was going to say, I was just going to testament again to the safety of the cars. I mean, the fact that he yeah, yeah. withstands a 56G impact and then walks away with it with basically a bit of, you know, it was a bit wounded. <laughs> you know, a few years ago, it's, we could have potentially been insane. Mm. Well, yeah, I was going to say the same thing because the crash between Max and Lewis last year was a 56G. So... Mm. We know how insane that one was. So, yeah, mm. the fact that he, he's okay is the main thing, I guess, and a testament to supercars. I feel like sure. the insane thing, he hit he hit driver door, though, didn't he? Was it driver side door? He hit driver door, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, Same as Anton, though. Anton had a pretty big crash, and he hit driver side door as well. Yesterday? Yeah. There was him. He had a big crash. JC had a big crash in the last race. This was huge. I mean, uh, having uh, talking about Puka Koei, Here's one thing. That track, if it goes bad, yeah, it goes so bad for the cars, especially so for especially for a flyaway round. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't know if that has anything to do with the, the change of venue. I don't think it does. But 100%, like we saw three, well, I think JC was involved in two accidents. But um, <laughs> thank God Tickford have four cars and so much spare parts going with them. Um <laughs> But I mean, like, did you that, hear what Tim Edwards said? I didn't, but he always says He's crackers. Like, oh, um, he had something about you know, a pretty expensive weekend for us in what's been a pretty expensive year. And oh, did he? You know, uh, it, was just, it was going on about some bloody monologue about how expensive it's been. And I'm just thinking, like, if you put the right drivers in the car, your damage <laughs> bill, you know, it gets smaller and smaller. And I'm, I'm not saying anything against those drivers, I think they're all pretty talented, but you know. You can't deny the fact that there's been a lot of Tickford crashes this year. Yeah, well, say Randall had a massive one a few week, few months Randall ago. Randall had one at um last week at Darwin. The, at, Darwin? at Darwin. Oh, wasn't it the Bend? Was it the Bend? I, where were they racing? They had, He's had a couple. And they had one at the Bend, JC and Randall, where JC went across the grass and hit yeah. um, Randall. And I think they had another one at the bend. I think you're right. That's right. When when Heimgarter drew, drove straight up his backside. Yeah, that's the one I was yeah. thinking of. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think Cam had a decent shunt at the start of the year. And, and obviously, Jake's, you know, around that mid-pack. So, he's going to get belted up a few Yeah, a few Jake's times. been belted up a bit. All I'm going to say so, is no team has any right to complain about crash damage if Brad Jones <laughs> racing isn't. So, everyone just relax. <laughs> yeah, uh, Brad Jones <laughs> racing, Bill. So, so chill yeah. out, guys. Um, okay, just let's. I think that, that's a good well, segue to us. I just want to point out that, Dude, that, that as that, an Aussie, I was actually really happy to see two Kiwis on the podium on Sunday. I, I feel like it, it, I feel like it really needed it to be honest. I think so. Yeah, it was the great send off. I yeah. thought just before we put the nail in the coffin on Pukekohe, I had to get that out that it was so <laughs> cool to see Heimgartner on the podium and and Gizzy's drive was flawless. Honestly, that was that was probably one of his best. He's performing really well. Mm. He's he's performing at a level that no one can really match, to be That's honest. Right. And um, I, I mean, at the, at the start of the year, we're talking about how these other teams could stop him, 
And realistically, I think that there's just no stopping him. He'll stop when he either leaves like Scotty Mack or, um, yeah, he gets bored. Yeah. But un- until then, I just think that even, even the way when you watch him in the car, like no driver is busier on the brake bias and no. all the all that kind of stuff. Like you know that every corner, he's doing everything he can to extract the maximum. Um, and I think that's, like, that's the crazy. the difference between him and you know just a, a, a mid pack driver, even the best of the rest. Like I'm sure they're all trying as hard, but he's so mm. in tune with just the biases and and um, all that kind of stuff. I've been quite fortunate to have gone out in a hot lap in a car with him at yeah um, you have <laughs> at Norwell and um I you know that was in itself was an unbelievable experience because it was in the wet and it was a road car and <laughs> this car was pretty much borderline slick tires and probably shouldn't even be road road legal and um he's just bored and went I'm going for a drive does anyone get in the passenger seat and I was like hell yeah that's yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's going to go on Shane Van Gisberg and the absolute hell out of this thing. And he did. And it That's was his favorite like, conditions, mate. Yeah, exactly. And Slicks it was honestly just like he's sitting there and it is like, honestly, the track is flooding. Like you can't see the road and he's just one arm on the reel, drifting it sideways, <laughs> clicking it in, handbrake here and there. And I'm just like absolutely bricking myself. Yeah. Um, but it was one of the most like unbelievable things I've ever seen because he just has so much control in the car. And then I was fortunate enough last year to, you know, share a team with him at Bathurst and just to see how he works behind the scenes, you know, not even in the car, just his knowledge in data and breaking down corners and Feedback uh, just and racing kind of knowledge. You know, we go out into, into practice one. He'd never driven a production car before, um, never been on that tire, whatever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he goes... All right, you, me, and um, Beric, I think it was at the time, we're going to go out and go three wide across the top of the mountain to put a block on the rest of the field so that we can at least get two flying laps before we catch traffic. And I'm thinking, like, like yeah, I get that, but, like, we're at the front of the field anyway. Mm-hmm. And so what that did was by us actually slowing down that much, it allowed everyone the 70 cars that we had in production cars, it allowed all 70 cars to get out of the the pits by the time we even got to turn turn three. Mm. And we were going that slow. Like it was actually ridiculous how slow we were going. I think it took us like 10 minutes to do two laps, honestly. <laughs> and by the time we got across the straight, we had a whole track free to do whatever we wanted with it. And I was behind him. And I was just so cool to see where he could put that car because mm. I was trying to rag the absolute wheels off that thing to try and keep it there. And he's just sailing off in the distance. I'm going, this guy has never driven a BMW <laughs> and he's just driving away on his first ever lap. So it was just like, it's just an unbelievable mind that he has for motorsport. And it's just so cool to see what he's able to do in a, in a supercar, in a car, in a rally car. You know, whatever he wants to do, really. I was going to say, yeah, he's good at rally too. Yeah, rally car, drifting, RCs, whatever it is, mate, anything with an engine. (laughs) If, if, and I'm not saying I don't want to see him in this championship anymore, but if you want, if you were to have your, have your pick of where you'd want to see him, um, like if he was to go do something full time somewhere else, F1. F1. I think he'd be too tall, but you know, I don't, I don't, I don't even think he would, he would, he would like the bureaucracy of that sport. I think Indy, like potentially Indy, but I just oh, wonder I if maybe he's been a bit unfortunate with opportunity. I no, think I... now the door would be a lot more open because of how good Scotty Max been straight away. Like that whole it's blueprint possible. has. That whole blueprint has been blown wide. I don't think he wants to go there. No. I, think I just he don't loves know supercars. if he has any connections to do it. You know, if there's maybe the IndyCar guys are looking at him, but I think more so the Europeans are looking at him because he's, he's best mates with Max Verstappen. So that always gets a lot of traction. And I would, you know, I would, that... I would definitely like to see him racing um, GT mm. in Europe with the, sort of like the the best of the best, like in DTM or something like that. Yeah, but because... well, we saw Chaz do that with the BM and he won Daytona. That's right. But, um, I, but the, the difference with DTM is that there's no 
co-drivers. It's just like um, uh-huh. sprint yeah, yeah, races. Yeah, yeah. So to see that's him do what, uh, something. Elbon did last year, right? Yeah, that's right. So yeah, yeah so right. to see him doing something like that, mm. I, I would just want to see him do it just to see sort of how he would stack up. He would. Um, he would. I, I, I have no doubt that he would probably be one of the best, if not the best, out of the gate. Because I think like I think his, he, I think his I feeling think. is impeccable. Um, mm. But you're like, for, for the event, it was so good to see him in that last race. I think it was so good to see. Um, I'm Gardner probably have his best event of the year and he's really been building this year towards like as we've been going along mm. um, I would have loved to see him win a race though to be honest because I feel like he deserves it there um, was a moment where he, he was in the box seat when yeah. uh, and Cam came together and it was just yeah. like oh I'm Gardner's going to win this race <laughs> just, sail, <laughs> just sail down the inside mate yeah. he got it <laughs> but I think, yeah. it was a bit, I think it was a bit wiser than us yeah, I think um, so. but yeah I mean what a great honestly what a great event I agree. Um, it's just to, to farewell Pukukoi. And um, I mean, if we never see it again, thank you for the memories. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, there hasn't there hasn't been a track. We've probably... Oh, the, the, that's definitely the track from New Zealand that everyone knows about. And um, it never disappointed in terms of like a, a dull event or a dull race. Um, I certainly don't remember one that was dull. No, 100%. Um, back to you, Harry. <laughs> Look, um, I think we'll leave it there, boys. I think we've covered everything throughout the week, unless you guys have something you want to throw out there. No, I right. think what an awesome weekend of motorsport, and I'm pretty fortunate to be able to be on the couch and watch it all. Hundred percent, mate. Hundred percent. Um, so yeah, guys, thanks for listening. Um, you know, keep liking, subscribing, all that kind of stuff, interacting with the socials. Um, you know, I'm not as good at finishing this as Anthony is, but uh, thanks for he listening. A, and he has his end spiel down to a T now. He does, and he. I was listening to it the other day. He's just on point. So. It's like a teacher doing the course for like three years in a row. Yeah, I reckon. Um, well, I'm a teacher, but I'm obviously not as good. So, um, <laughs> th- thanks for listening. Uh, you know, as I said, keep liking, subscribing, and Tristan, Joey, thanks for jumping on, boys. Thanks, mate. Mate, anytime. Thanks for having me on again. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, boys.